This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 309, brought to you by Graphically and iFanboy members like you. Well, it's Friday night at the football game. The crowd is cheering one more time for me. And everything is going fine so far. But life is just 10 yards away. A football play that goes on three. But when you don't know me and you don't see me, the ball Welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 309. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Ron Richards. Hey, big guy. And Josh Flanagan. Are you going to sing a sea shanty? Possibly <laughs> at iFanboy.com. We like comics. We read comics every week. We read a bunch of comics. One of us picks the best one and writes about it on the website. We talk about it on the podcast and on the website, too. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of books this week. We're going to talk about some of them or all of them or a few of them. You can decide after the show. Before we get to the show, though, a quick reminder and a warning. This is a review show. We're talking about spoilers and plot points, especially for the pick of the week. So if you don't, don't, don't want to know what happened, pause the show and come back later. You'll be happier. Happier life is a longer life. Is that gas week, I, don't have the, I don't have the pick this week, but Josh does. <laughs> is he Okay. Fine. Uh, pick of the week this week was Fear Agent number thirty-two, the last of a of a series. This has been one of my favorite series. Full stop. 
you know, since I read it for the first time. And I think I know you guys are pretty big fans too. I gave you the trade paperback. It was well, it's then. it's one of the few universally loved books by all of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, you know, it it struggled a little bit I think in the in the market. I don't think that a ton of people have read it, which is which is confounding to me. Um and it's not that a Marvel has a, DC is a superhero book. No, yeah. it is not. But at the same time, you know, you got Remender who writes one of the biggest books over at Marvel with Uncanny X-Force, hugely popular with Jerome Opeña, an artist who came up on Fear Agent. And uh, it's very perplexing. Uh, you know, and that's that's the thing is when I think about this book, it's very perplexing to me. But uh, it was time to end the book, and uh, they decided to take it out and, and have it in sort of one big story of this saga of of an Earth sort of destroyed and and uh, the Tataldans and the uh, Dressites and these aliens and this just big. I just call it big space adventure with this sort of this hero, this anti-hero of of Heath Houston, who's this sad lonely can't get his shit together or uh you know can't get his wife back and he drinks too much but he also kicks ass at the same time and uh i love I, would you call him an anti-hero i don't think that's no, accurate that's, no that isn't that's okay. wrong okay Move on. <laughs> just, uh, that well, kind of stuck in my craw just, like he's not the hero like he's not standing up with his chest pumped out like let's all do the no i think, I think he's very much hero there is, he's, a, he's a flawed yeah. hero yeah, yeah sure so, that'll work yeah you know, at the basis of it, it's a really, really well-done book that is about big aliens that are very strange and a guy in a fishbowl space hat and an orange suit and a, and a rocket-shaped rocket. Space hat? Space hat. Space cat. So that's what – is that what this is going to be this week? <laughs> Sorry, because just, I can parse the shit out of your language if you want me to because we'd be here all day. I just like the idea of a space hat. It's, it's a fishbowl-shaped space hat. Listen, that should be on a cover. Thrills with a fish, fishbowl-shaped space hat. And, you know, like, we've been around this this ride for the whole time. It's gone through all sorts of genres. There's been, you know, touches of of that, that space adventure is always there. But there's a little – there's been Western and there's been war and there's been – hell, there's been slice of life in the sort of this last arc. And uh, it's been a really good ride. It's been a little bumpy because of uh, – there's been a lot of delays in sort of getting this last bit out because, frankly, everybody's got other work they have to do that pays, you know, the bills, I think. And also there was some sort of scheduling thing with Dark Horse. But all that aside, you know, at, at the end of the day, I thought this was a really strong ending, mostly for the character Heath Houston. And, and I really – liked how it ended up and uh, I felt really satisfied having read the whole thing. One of the really cool things is that there's been this sort of a uh, rotating cast of artists. It was Tony Moore who was the co-creator and he switched switched off with Jerome Pena and and they're both wonderful artists. Uh and then they both, you know, had other stuff to do and and had uh work and so this last bit was filled in by basically it was like a collaboration of Tony Moore along with Mike Hawthorne and then John Lucas on inks. And the cool thing about it was that it really fit right in with everything that had come before. It wasn't exactly Tony Moore, but like that, that feel of the original sort of look of, of Fear Agent was completely intact. And I thought that was, that was really well done. Yeah, there was um, never, there's never been a gap in continuity in terms of the look and feel, even between Opinion and Moore, even though they're slight, you know, they, they have very yeah. different styles and different types. I mean, you always knew that you were reading Fear Agent, and, they, and they, there was a, a great continuity in, in terms of the look and feel of the universe that the stories were told in. Mm-hmm. At the end of it, I was just like, "Well, that was a that was a good ending." Like, and I love a good ending. Well, that was what got me as well. I mean, like, the, and if you went to ifanboy.com on Wednesday, there was a whole lot of yellow on the page, on the yeah, whole page. Cause, it was. <laughs> and um, I'd written an advance review of it, and Josh wrote the pick of the week review of it, and and the end of a book is always it's sad. You know what I mean? Especially a book that's beloved. You know, I, I think we recall my you know my heartbrokenness over the end of Strangers of Paradise and things like that, and. I loved what Remender did with the story in terms of that he figured out a way to make it work and to give Heath what he wanted, but not. But, but not. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, like, it, I, th- I thought it played to the tragedy of Fear Agent throughout the whole run of this series so perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. But it, like his smile yep. at the end that kept growing as you go through those last four or five pages. Like his face just sort of gets brighter. Everybody's like, ah, <laughs> you know, he's getting, he's watching that rinky-dink weird monitor, which is very strange. And yeah. I mean, what, I mean, and just to, to, to those, I mean, you know, to those who didn't read it, or whatever. What happened was is that you know, be, the, the whole the whole story of Fear Agent has been Heath Houston fighting these aliens. You know, who you know that that's that's the whole that's been the whole basis of it. And yeah. he finally figured out. He was finally was able to outsmart them and figure out a way to beat them. And it involved lots of time travel and 
alternate dimension travel, which I thought was great. That one sequence where he was going through the di- punching, where the sh- rocket ship was punching through the different dimensions, mm-hmm. and you know him and the the robot version of of his girl were fighting, and they were changing every time. Like I thought that was neat. And ultimately, you know, in you know far in the future, figure out a way to go, you know, to 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 save the world, to save everything, and gets to go back in time and from space watch himself and his family and his kid and his father all kind of live together. And see, happily, happily, yeah, and see the the effect of his work in preventing the disasters that happened throughout here, kind of almost Star Trekky in the Star Trek reboot kind of way, you know, where like the, yeah. you know a different timeline and that sort of thing, and you know, and then he just literally rides off into the sunset. <laughs> Which I thought was great. Literally, <laughs> literally flies into the sun. But yeah, crying, drinking a bottle of Jack. That last, the, I just the cover on this is. Yeah. So far, it might be my favorite cover I've seen this year. I just because it, it just says everything about what this is. You know, it's part of the story, but it, it's just this sort of striking visual. Yeah, it's hard to talk about this issue, which was which was a great issue, uh, without sort of just thinking of it as a whole thing. Because when a great ending issue comes along and caps a whole series, like it just everything sort of flows together, and you start thinking about all the things that you liked about it. But yeah. It was it was a really fun issue. Besides, you know, even the first half, which I te- I tended to gloss over a little bit, which is this really odd fight between this woman who was his wife, but now she's basically half killer robot, and it's it's crushing. It's kind of awful. But then you've got his rocket, who is a, a female with an AI, which and I they get was along. Great. Well. That she, the, yeah. the role she played in that was fantastic, yep. and then. Um, so they they kind of got to be together a little bit at the end, and it's just there's a billion ideas here, and that's what I've always liked about it. And it's fun, and it's sappy, and it's it's a little silly at times, but it's like like sort of we're overly serious. But it's it just does all of these things right, and I it's one of the best comic books that I've read you know in the last decade. And I, and I think the the, te- the testament is the fact that the people involved in this now are doing some of the best selling work. Oh, elsewhere, yeah. you know, I mean, but remember with Venom and with Uncanny X Force and work with Opania and Tony Moore, continuing, you know, like now, now, like these artists now are hot commodities, and and I think also if you go back and read the first Fury Agent trade or first issues compared to this, you just see how far Remender's come as a writer. Oh yeah, um, you know, especially with the Samuel Clemens quotes and in this and all that, like the positioning and just like it, it just it's just really well done. It reminded me a lot of the end of Why the Last Man, kind of like this this big journey that we were on and now it's over and. Mm-hmm. Done very classily and with grace, and I couldn't think of a better way to end it. Yeah, that's yeah. it's true. I, I just uh, you know it, I, I I read a lot of really good issues this week, but you know if you're going to talk about one that felt the most significant, the most sort of well done, uh, you know, and and, and it, it, over and over, it's really hard to stick a landing. We've seen this in comics all the time. People aren't used to it for one thing. Yeah, they're just used to leading into whatever the next thing is, and it, and it was this landing was stuck. And you know, originally there was like well. This will end this story of Fear Agent, but there could be like this is feels like an ending, and I'm fine with that. I you know I don't need it to be more than fine with it. Yeah, I think yes. it's great. Yeah, I'm fine with the drawing. And, and you're right, like this book was like a, a talent, you know, like a talent scout's dream. Yeah, for right. for you know what comics are going to be and, and who's going to be big, who are now big in comics. Yeah, so it's with great sadness that we say that we bid adieu to Fear Agent, but the great thing is that the trades still exist. They're all except for the last trade are all in print. So go to Amazon, buy them experience fear agent you know what i mean like it's it's definitely one that we will continue to recommend to people because if you're looking for a good sci-fi genre pulpy kind of stuff mm-hmm. and, and to see some of the the work of creators that you're enjoying now in other books you know you've got no reason not to like it's a guaranteed enjoyment i don't think there's and, and we've had lots of people say you know because i you know i didn't read them in order to begin with, I have people. You can pick up one of the, you know, first, you know, three trades, or you can read any of them. You'd yeah. be all right. Then take it in order from there. Yeah. And, and there is supposedly an omnibus at some point. Eventually, I'm sure someday. Eventually, yeah. yeah. But I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't wait hold my breath for it. Yeah, yeah exactly. I yeah. Fear agent might have ended, but fear itself <laughs> still rolls on. Refuses. No, fear, no, fear agent thirty-two point three will be out <laughs> in like two fear years. Fear itself's like the monster in a horror movie. They just you just can't kill it. <laughs> So, did either of you pick up Fear Itself 7.1? No. Well, I'm t- I'm t- really torn with this because so Fear Itself 7.1, I guess I'm the only one who picked it up. This is the one that focused on Captain Captain America and was billed as, you know, the burying of Bucky or whatever and dealing with the death of Bucky. And as an issue, 
like as a crafted to take away all this the crap of fear agent and stuff like that it's a wonderful issue it's brubaker and butch guys doing what they do and it it looks great it looks as good as any of the captain america issues they they, they worked on together it's got the kirby-esque uh, kirby buscema-esque you know jaws the 70s clothes it's got you know everything that we loved about those issues you know a while back except for the fact that the entire contents of the comic are just basically rubbing your face in the mess of fear itself <laughs> which well, just it, it which just kills me so basically what happened was is that bucky gets stabbed by sin during fear itself and before cap and iron man everybody can get to bucky's body black widow and nick fury swap it with an lmd and <laughs> and fake bucky damn those lmds fake bucky's death they give bucky but it was a dead lmd they, so it was a dmd yeah true they um then they inject bucky with the with the last of the infinity formula to save him and basically fake his death and then right before the funeral tell cap who gets pissed off and beats up nick fury and then they bring cap around to their side that bucky works best in the shadows as and he's going to go back to being winter soldier and this is what it is now and it launches the winter soldier series that's going to be coming out in february i'm not sure what part of that i'm supposed to spoil or not talk about well we talked we we gave a spoiler warning i know yeah. it's just there was a whole thing yeah, like the, the next day here's this is the <laughs> Here's the name of the title, like so. Yeah, people who did want to not be spoiled only had a small window to right. read it. But I, I mean, and and that's the thing is that as an issue, it was it was good, it was enjoyable. Like I thought, Geis's art was great. I thought all the, the the as Brubaker put it on the Marvel press conference the other day, the fake out, like it it was clear and it made sense. It just that it just cheapened everything about Bucky's de- Bucky's death and fear itself was already cheap, and this just cheapened it even further. Well, just ignore it. Make yeah. your own continuity. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Forget about it happening. Everyone else is going to forget it happened. Yeah. I mean, Brubaker said Brubaker said that his original plan, minus fear itself, was that at the end of the Gulag story, Bucky in Russia, he was going to make it seem as if Bucky died and then go away for a few months and then come back as Winter Soldier. So he said that this was still his plan. It just they worked it into fear itself. That would have been better. Yes. Wouldn't it have also been great though if like you were reading the Captain America book and the last page was just a panel of Winter Soldier? Yeah. I mean, without uh, launching a book called Winter Soldier three months ahead of I mean, I know that's how it has to work, and, yeah. I, and I understand how it is, but wouldn't that have been great? Yeah. Who knows? Um, it's, it's, <laughs> this, this certainly wasn't great. I mean, that's a, and that's a tough thing. That's why I'm torn with it, because it was a good comic book. It just sucks. You know, it just sucked. It sucks? <laughs> it sucks. Is that sucks thing? Is that what the kids sucks do thing now? is a new thing. Sexting was the old thing. Sexting yeah. is a new thing. It's <laughs> very, the kids move fast these days. Yeah. These phones. I can't be held responsible. No, just, Image uh, Comics had a hell of a week. They did. They had a couple uh, last week too. Like, now, uh, our, our love is real is, is sort of a reprint, but it's being distributed by Image Comics. It was a, it was an indie before by Sam Humphries and Stephen Sanders. And now I, Ron, you'd been talking about it for a while. You did a talk explode with uh, Sam Humphries at one point, and I had no idea what this book was. And I was like, well, I'll read it. You know, Ron seems to like it. That that can go either way. But eh, go fuck uh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> so I, I like I didn't have any idea what it was. I had no idea. And I looked at the cover and I thought, that's weird. It looks like that guy's having sex with a dog. <laughs> and then I start reading it. I was like, oh, he was having sex with a dog. <laughs> but the, all that aside, I really enjoyed this story because it was just one of those little wacky sci-fi stories. And it felt to me, it reminded me very much of one of the uh, side tales from uh, Transmetropolitan. It I felt very that. much like that world. Yep. And because of that, I enjoyed it. It was a, it was like a short story. It was really well drawn, and it was wacky and out there. And and I, you know, I've I've seen the. It's not about having sex with animals. It's about like standards in society. That's it's a comment on those kind of things. And and at the end of it, it's just sort of like a little one shot sci fi love story yep. uh, that's just a little wacky and out there. Uh, and it was really well done. I thought it was really well drawn. Uh, yeah. Steven Wonderful Sanders. Art. Yeah. yeah, yeah, great job. And we actually over if you go to ifanboy.com earlier uh, last week, we had a great feature with some of Steve Sanders' uh, concept art for the characters and the weapons and the ships, and along with Sam's commentary. So if you enjoyed our love is real, go back and check out that post because it will make you enjoy it a little more. But I really think that going into it, like having no preconception of what it was, was made it a really interesting sort of experience. Which I, I'm, I'm guessing most people will if yeah. they if they bother to pick it up 
I just it, it like at the end I don't know it was like some really messed up like uh, Twilight Zone episode or something like it was just very yeah, I love the science and we talked about this before I mean I love the the science fiction that exists in a clearly in the future but in a recognizable future or as a you know I wouldn't say it's near future because it's it's so far away from what we do in our standard stuff like that but in, in a relatable context. And I think that's what made Transmetropolitan work so well. That's what made this work so well. The idea of you know people rioting for you know the, for their rights and things like that. It just happens to be this interesting spin on it in terms of sexuality and and it's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. and I think that that's the, I mean I think that that's the thing is that it should be accepted by everybody reading this. This is ridiculous. Yeah. It's a cop in a robot suit who beats up people who want to have sex with vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> because he thinks that you should do it the right way by having sex with your dog. Yep. <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense. It's absurd, and that's the point yep. of the absurdity. And then a whole other thing happens that's I, – I didn't I – didn't, I, I, I don't even know what to make of it. I was just like, that was – that was neat. <laughs> it was real neat. Yeah. Pure but, uh, sci-fi is is hard to come by. Yep. In comics, but it was. You, yeah. you don't think it is, but it is, actually is. Pure yep. sci-fi that isn't superheroes in sci-fi or some of the spin on sci-fi. Pure actual sci-fi is not all uh, all that yep. popular. Yep. And that's what this was. Yep. And I, that's why I liked it. Cool. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I sometimes I I do have decent taste, and I'm glad that 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 you concurred. <laughs> That's what this is all about. Really. I concur. Stormwatch number three, I thought, was the best issue so far of the series, and I think it's starting to gel. Yep. I think Paul Cornell's starting to figure it out, and this is to me seemed like the most. I don't want to say Stormwatchy or authority, authority D, but uh, it was. It, it, it was. Yep. The characters are coming together. There's a big action. There's crazy science stuff. So this would be science fiction within the superhero realm, right? And I love that. I love the little. T- touches of like when when Jack Hawksmore talks to the cities, they're actual people that representing. That was awesome. That was really cool. And then Apollo, sort of the unlikely hero, and Midnight. Now it's all up to Midnighter, who's you know Batman basically, and he has to take down this giant creature. So I, I think I think it started off kind of rocky. It was okay in the beginning, but I think now it's starting. Every every issue has been getting better with Stormwatch. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I just can't get over. I don't like the. It's the one spike on Midnighter's chin. It's that <laughs> one costume element that just drives yeah. me crazy. I don't know why. I, you know what? I don't really like that costume, but yeah. I will say this was the the time that he felt the most like the Midnighter I was used to. Yeah. Now, you know, it is easy to say that he's kind of a Batman, but he has a different attitude. Like he's a little more self-effacing. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like yeah. where he's just like, oh, now I have to fight this thing. And I like that slight bit of – it's not self-doubt as much as it's just a little bit of a, a – like a wryness, I guess, that, that he has. That I think that he really – that Cornell really nailed in, in this issue. Yeah. I love um, how he wanted them to retreat, you know, because he can see the. Yeah. It's oh, like, come on, I, guys, we got to retreat. No, seriously. Midnighter go. is such a good character, and he has yeah. such a cool power that, you know, it doesn't seem all that different, but it, it's very unique. What a great team. Like, this is starting to turn into the book that I definitely want it to be, which yep. I, I kind of had no doubt. I'm really glad. Now, about I think it. What, all, all that's left is to figure out a need or a role for Martian Manhunter. Yep. Yeah. Right that's now, true. he's sort of extraneous. And actually, he was the part that was most interested. You know, putting him in the team seems kind of genius. I'm just waiting for mm-hmm. a reason for it. Yep. Yeah. Well, somebody's got to. They got to talk. They got to talk telepathically. Maybe. I don't know. That's all he, he does. Has, he goes from team to team, blanking people tele- telepathically. Yeah. That's what he, he's like. Phone. He's <laughs> basically. He's, he's a, a Wi-Fi network. He's Skype. Uh, are you guys reading the strange talent of Luther Strode? No. Hypothetically, yes, but I didn't get to this to the oh, issue that came out this, this week. This book is great. That's what I've heard. Yeah. No, I've got. The, it, I yeah. mean, no, it's really good. And, and Ron, you've gone on record like, oh, this is the great. This is the best new book from Image right now. Right now, this is the best new book from Image. And I've heard that uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. The second issue was better than the first one. This is like kick ass. That doesn't make me feel stupid. Yeah. I really, really dug it. And then beyond that, uh, the the artist Trad Moore. We put up a, a sketch that he did of Fin Fang Foom on the weekly sketch up this past week. Uh, it, it is fantastic. He's really good. You know like what? it was one of those times where I'm looking at the artwork. I'm like, this guy's going to be somebody. Like he's going to be a big deal. It's, it's very – there's a lot of Ryan Otley in it, which I didn't see so much in the first issue. But now I, I start to see it. And uh, I think we're going to see a lot more from him. But this is it, – it's a mini series, and I really think people need to go pick it up. Yeah, I'm going uh, to go buy it on Graphically right now. You can do that. You can go buy it right now. Just a wonderful story of like it's a little bit of the Spider-Man, a little bit of the kick-ass where like a kid in a high school is just, you know, an everyday loser kid, you know, becomes very, very strong and very powerful and, you know, beats up the bully and girls start to like him. But there's something else going on underneath and there's a, you know, there's a robbery and he helps prevent it. But he's got this barely contained power. And that's the difference between this and kick-ass is that kick-ass had no power and got beat up a lot. Uh, this guy is sort of this raw, untapped power. We don't know what it's about or, or you know, how much there is there. 
Mm-hmm. Highly recommended. Really like the X Men Regenesis train keeps rolling, and uh, this week Kieran Gillen and Carlos Pacheco followed Jason Aaron and and uh, Chris Bocciolo after Wolverine and the X Men number one last week that we all raved about with Uncanny X Men number one, and it was interesting because you know t- talk about a tough act to follow. And yep. uh, and the discussion was okay. Well, what direction are they going to take on Canyon? And I was somewhat, you know, I, I was relieved and unsurprised because I kind of called it that they would take it in this direction, which is much more action based, much more. And I say adult, not in a you know, not in a, a salacious kind of way, but in a more you know, like whereas, like I guess what it all sums up is that if at the in the back matter in Wolverine and X-Men the back matter from Jason Aaron was a very jokey class schedule of what's going on at the school and the back matter of this was a letter to humanity from Cyclops to the world about what the X-Men will be and how they're going to be a deterrent and how they're not going to live in fear anymore or be victims and that they're here to protect people and be superheroes but also they're they're you know not going to you know suffer the intolerance of, of the, towards mutants and stuff like that two very different tones very different tones i i think the, the most disappointing thing about this book was that it didn't really go anywhere new. It, it felt like more a continuation of what had been happening before, which which, where, which, makes, is, which, which makes Wolverine sense, is different. Wolverine felt like a new start, a new beginning for the X-Men, a very accessible X-Men era, whereas this was probably not very accessible to people who haven't been reading X-Men before. Yeah, I can So in that, that sense, it was disappointing. Like I'm, I'm sure X-Men fans loved it, but for me, yeah. coming off of Wolverine and the X-Men, I was looking forward to another sort of new rebirth of the X-Men on this side and being able to jump in on something new. But this felt like the things I've been sampling for the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, given given the Utopia uh, location and the people involved and stuff like that, I I do see that, and that's a good observation. What I I did get from this issue, which I didn't ever since the X-Men moved to Utopia, was a sense of focus and a sense of organization and a sense of, okay, this is what we're doing. Because I feel as if ever since they did the Utopia thing, they've just been wavering. They've just been like, how are we going to make this work? Are we going to be okay? Can we do this? Can, you know, like, and it has never been a, a settled, this is our home, this is what we're doing. And now, at least for me, and admittedly I'm a long-term X-Men fan, but with the way Gillen had Cyclops lay out what, who the team was, what, their, what the roles are, who the other people on, the X, on, on Utopia are, and what their roles are going to be, I, you know, I got a sense of focus. And then they just got into the action with Sinister as the villain, and I gotta give I give Gillen credit for two things: one, finally addressing addressing that big celestial in the middle of Golden Gate Park that's been there for years. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's still there. Yeah, and then Damn. two, in all this world of sexy time over at DC and violence and 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 rape and all these other things happening in comics and all these other crazy things stuff like that, to end uh, the first issue of Uncanny X Men with Mister Sinister in front of a carousel. I thought it was a little ballsy. <laughs> so kind of a wacky, different direction to take it. Um, now, Josh, were you feeling any pressure to make this the third X-Men pick in the row? I can't say that I was. <laughs> uh, Did you read no. it? No. You said you were going I to read it. Through you it. Lied. I, I, you I lied. I lied. Liar. I forgot, I forgot about it. Yeah. You forgot you. Uh, I'm looking through it right now. And I, you know what's funny? Just, just looking through it and just sort of browsing it, it feels like a uh, classic X-Men book that I didn't get into. Yeah. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean it, it, it looks and feels like – I've read a little Mr. Sinister. I don't get that shit at all. Yeah. I, I, it's not – it's never been my thing. Uh, but I am curious about Colossus in this. Yeah. But that, that is a curious, interesting thing. Connor, by any chance did you pick up New Mutants number 33? No. Okay. Now, now in terms of starting off on a new kind of chapter and a new kind of jumping in, New Mutants number 33 is the – quiet kind of dark horse of all this Regenesis stuff, if you ask me. Basically, it's Danny Moonstar, Warlock, Sunspot, Cypher, Magma, and um, X-Man, Nate Gray. And they decide to move off of... They, they've sided with Cyclops, but they've decided to move off of Utopia, and they got an apartment in the Mission in San Francisco. And this whole issue was about that decision-making process and them gelling as a team. Who from the team decided to go with Wolverine, like Paige and Cannonball? The Guthries went over with with Wolverine and why? But then this kind of establishes this new mutants team and their role within the Cyclops team and the fact that they're going to kind of break away but still be a, a part of it. And this was, you know, it's Abnett Landing writing it, and it's uh, David Lopez on art. And this was like the end of the issue. I was like, damn, that was good. Like it was really good. Like it just than, it gelled. Other- other than Cyclops and Wolverine, I have no idea what you just said. Okay. Now, how would you how would you rank those three books then, in terms of enjoyability? What do you mean? Like you've had you've had basically three new starts. Yep. At this point, so how where would you put them? Oh, they're, I've enjoyed them all. If you had to rank them, rank them on what based on what? Which ones you thought were the best? I thought they were all great. 
Like, well, no, I mean, and the thing speaking is, of carousels, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just thought they were all great. I, I mean, like they, they were all great for different reasons. I mean, I, you'd probably give a slight edge to Wolverine and the X-Men because it was the newest and the freshest and most unexpected. But at this point, I'm, I'm yet to be disappointed by any Regenesis, Regenesis title. You know, okay. like, there's just so much, so much energy and fresh kind of approach to the Regen, to the X-Men books now. I just, I'm, I'm, I can't wait for the rest of them to roll out. I'm so, so excited. So what you're saying is it's Halloween. You got in front of, you got a fun-sized Milky Way. You got a fun sized Twix and a single Reese's peanut butter. You're not. You're gonna say you like one more than the other. I don't well, even no, know no, which one. Josh, I think you know me well enough that I can fit all three of those in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, let's let's call spade a spade. I mean, you know, we we we've known each other for what 15 years now. You've seen Would you me do eat. That? You've seen it me eat much more. <laughs> yeah, but wow, that's like the most apt metaphor I've ever. <laughs> experience like i thought i was like i'm doing pretty well and then you just were like hold on i'll take that for you and then you just you ran that shit into the end zone that's or, football or into my mouth yeah that's, the, that's what i call the end zone but uh we'll go to restaurants and i'll i'll say i'll say hey so what's what's going what's heading towards the end zone and you'd be like all of this steak bitch ribs and you'd be like second burger straight to the end zone well, you order, you order a burger, and there you go. I don't, I don't know if that, I don't know if that shake's big enough. I might need another shake. I'm like, that shake's six dollars. He goes, and so's looking empty, buddy. I did, I did get two shakes at Shake Shack, didn't I? Yes. We don't talk about it. We there you talk. go. There you go. We're almost witnessing a murder. God, God, can we? It was it was it was a little hard not to make Betrayal of the Planet of the Apes number one pick of the week. I was surprised. I thought I thought that would be you your uh, front runner. Uh, I, yeah, I, I really liked them both a lot. If if one was a Twix and one was a <laughs> oh, Three Musketeers, I would shove them both in my own end zone. Um, but uh, but as a sort of start of just a a classic, getting the feeling right of the original Planet of the Apes. Dare I say the real Planet of the Apes? I don't want to do that. Karina Bechko and Gabe Hardman delivered an issue that I was 100% happy with and then some. Here's the thing. They love Planet of the Apes. Yeah, that's clear. And, and you can see, you don't even have to read the book. Just look through the pages. Look at the art. It's an oh. it's, it's energized Gabriel Hardman art you haven't seen maybe up to this point. He's so good. He loves Planet of the Apes. If you yeah. talk to him for five minutes, he'll t- you know you, you find that out. But this is a passion project for the, the two of them and this is Coming through in every page. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you can look at it and go, "Oh, it's a licensed book." It's not that. No, it's, it's, it's way more than just that. And it was a, it was a really good story. It was like a fun story of this. You know, I I don't need, I haven't seen the movie in so long. I couldn't even tell you exactly what it was. I know Doctor Zayas existed in both, but uh, you know, the the sort of general who's become a lawyer and the you know humans and and as pets and and. Sort of things you don't have to have a, a knowledge no. of Planet of the Apes movies or some sort of be some sort of it's super fan. It's so simple that anybody could pick it up and enjoy it. Like, this is sci-fi, you know. This is pretty much you know straight up sci-fi as well, and it's gorgeous. It's wonderful. It's fun. It's well thought out. It's just sort of a, a, a little burst of wonderful. Great stuff. Another little burst of wonderful is digital comics straight on your computer or your phone or your, or your tablet device. You can get from your tablet to your end zone. Exactly. You can get that all from Graphically. Uh, iFanboy is part of the Graphically family, and we are very excited this past week as we announced that uh, we've added the double feature application that was developed by our friends over at Four Star Studios to Graphically. So now Josh Emmons, who was the main guy behind the double feature app, has joined Team Graphically, and you can get you're going to be able to get all the Four Star Studios double feature content on Graphically on the web, on uh, uh, Android, on iOS, as well as through the double feature app, the double feature not going anywhere. Karina Bechko and yep. uh, Gabe Hardman did a story for Double Feature yep. called The Liar. Exactly. So we want to welcome them and, and urge everybody to go check out the Double Feature app in iTunes. And if you want to see what the Double Feature app begat, you can go to the Apple Newsstand on your iPad and you subscribe to Invincible, Savage Dragon, Walking Dead, Near Death, Morning Glories, Irredeemable. And that was all done using technology uh, based off the acquisition of Double Feature. So it's pretty cool stuff. But that's not all Graffley's got. Graffley's got over 5,000 comics available from over 250 publishers. Publishers, including Marvel, Image Comics, Boom Studios, Arkea, great stuff, Dynamite, you know, pretty much a lot, there's a lot of good stuff on there. Um, yeah. And you, you can get it on your on your desktop, on the web, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone, or your iPad or a tablet. If you've got a Barnes & Noble Nook, or if you're looking at getting a uh, the new Barnes & Noble Nook, which is coming out, uh, being announced next week, I think, as well as the Amazon Kindle Fire, which is coming out soon, Graphly is going to have comics available there. So we're doing everything that we can to get really great comics in your hands. Uh, so go to Graphly.com to 
don't miss a thing, follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash graphically. More big stuff coming up too. Yeah, exactly. Know yeah, that much. Yeah, yeah you, you do know that. I do. So, <laughs> uh, so talk about sticking the landing. Yeah, Amazing Spider-Man number 673. 673. 673. Woo! <laughs> Some problems in the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is the epilogue. Connor, am I the only one reading this, sir? Yes, you are. Okay. Yes. I don't really remember why I chose to include this. It was good. They 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 they, <laughs> stuck, they, they, they stuck the land. Oh, I remember. I remember. Um, oh. Carly found out Spider Man's identity and broke up with him. And oh, and then they never reveal it. And the byproduct of when Spider Man said, "Hey, I'm Peter Parker, and I've got spider powers," and let let everybody remember that great moment. Well, apparently that undid Doctor Strange's spell. And so now everybody in the Marvel Universe can find out that he's Spider-Man again. So the, the secret identity is back on the table. So we got that going for us. But yeah, it was, but they, they totally stuck the landing. And there was a great moment at the end with, with Spidey and Mary Jane. And there was a great touching moment where the city thanked Spider-Man. The Empire State Building lit up red and blue. And it was really kind of cool. It was very New York. It was neat. But uh, yeah, good, so good job to the Spider-Man creative team for nailing this whole event. Invincible number 84 was a different kind of book. We've seen Mark sort of going through this change, and we've seen that there is a different uh, Invincible in our future somewhere. And I just like – it's the same thing I've always liked about Invincible. 84 issues, by the way. Yep. I, I just marvel at that. No pun intended. Basically, Mark is going through a crisis of consciousness. Why am I flying around punching everything? Is it doing any good? Which is, by the way, the question that you would ask of any of the Justice Leaguers if you had them in real life. Like, right. what have you accomplished? What have well, you I thought changed? it was. I thought it was more so that when they saw the so the big whole thing was Vegas was destroyed, and right. then they took the dinosaur dinosaurus's idea and made this massive solar energy thing, and now they're providing energy for the you know for half the country. Yeah, and Invincible that that great two page panel of a close up of Invincible's head when he realizes. That Dinosaurus was right, you know. And while he doesn't, uh, by the way, the fact that he's called Dinosaurus, yeah. but he's also an, an eco terrorist who was right, yeah, it's just a melange of ideas yeah. I love. So you know, so Invincible deciding to team up with Dinosaurus and and you know steer him in a in a more productive direction, but while it, but it makes him a fugitive in Cecil's eyes. But it was a I thought it was a great turn. It was really interesting. Uh, yeah, good it, issue. An, another great issue. Yeah. Otley really doing a great job on it too. Sort of on a quiet issue. Yep, doing good. Six Guns number one or as I call it, a little bit of Losers and a little bit of Sons of Anarchy. Andy Diggle has taken all these Western characters from Marvel and updated them with David Gianfelice. And I thought this was a Western, but it's not a Western. And I, was, I bought it because I thought it was a Western, and, and now it's not. Like, it's... It was, <laughs> see what Very I'm, confusing. See what I'm, yeah, see what I'm getting at? Like, yeah. I was like, I guess I should buy it. Because what if it is really good? And then I'd be, like, not supporting Western comics, which I want to. See, but, I looked at the covers. You're not going to fool me again. Fake yeah, from Marvel. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of where I netted out. It wasn't bad, but uh, you know, I was good enough with uh, with the losers, and I'm fine with that. And this felt a little like that. Really good looking art, I gotta say. I thought I thought it was a, a really great looking book, and it was solid. It was well done, but I didn't think it brought too much to the table. I, I do wish it was actually a western, but then I understand they need to sell books, so there's that. Uh, Last of the Greats number two, I thought was much stronger than Last of the Greats number one. Not that there was much wrong with the other one, but it was just a little more clear idea of where we are in this world. And it, it, it's a Superman who's a jerk, basically, <laughs> and holds the whole world at, at bay. Yeah, but I'm there's... <laughs> oh, sorry, wait. No, nah, it's still it's a little different than that because there's a whole PR angle going on. There is, there's definitely touches of irredeemable. The, the guy, he drops a baby in the ocean, or a kid. In, the, in sharks. Like, like, like it wouldn't have been bad enough to just drop him in the ocean, but he dropped him among sharks. But I actually, I really enjoyed like sort of the mind play that's going on, and the the you know the sort of leader of the humans and and his public face versus what he has to you know what's going on behind the scenes, and this sort of a little bit of a, a media or PR sort of story going on in the back of this, but also a really good looking book cool. too. Uh, it's a good second step. So continuing the image love, big ups to Savage Dragon number one seventy five to Eric Larson for getting to one hundred seventy five issues on his uh, creator on title and uh, just. Total fun. I wrote a review of it earlier last week. Um, you can go check that out. First off, the first page is beautiful, like a close-up of Savage Dragon that shows Larson really can. Then you turn the second page, and there's this huge double-page spread of a spaceship and space. It's all Kirby dotted and all that fun stuff. But the highlight for this for me is he brought back Savage Dragon. We thought, you know, he's dead, but we find out that he's actually been revived. And there's a one, two, three, four, five. There's a 15 page, 15 panel page where Dark Lord and Savage Dragon are talking, and Dark Lord's explaining what happened and talking about time travel and saying, well, 
Tuesday Dark Lord then went to Thursday Dark Lord and talked to Tuesday Dragon. (laughs) Just insane craziness (laughs) that only Larson can do and was just fantastic. So I love it. So now that Dragon's back, it's going to be really interesting to see where he takes it from here. Heart number one uh, hit the stands. I feel like we've been talking about this book for a while. This is Blair Butler and Kevin Mellon's book from Image Comics. It's just all image. That's all we're talking about from now on. It's about mixed martial arts and uh, sort of the story of the... Of the little guy who 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 was working at a crappy desk job and decide and wants to go fight and finds out he's pretty good at it and this is sort of the beginning of his tale and I thought you know we've seen a lot of stuff that came from people who are uh, you know in the media and Blair definitely gets a uh, sort of head start by being a known personality but I, I it's clear that her her heart was in this I'm sorry and I thought it was a pretty good start I mean it didn't didn't you know it will break down any doors or anything but I actually I enjoyed it and because uh, I've never read about this world I don't know anything about it and I actually I thought that uh, Kevin Mellon's art was really appropriate for it although it, you know it it was a little rough looking but I thought that that fit yeah the, the, the art I thought the writing was that the art was art was a little lacking for me that's all I thought it was a little sketchier un- unfinished than I would have expected I took that as a, as a as an intention. That's yeah. how I suppose because it did fit in that way. Like this world has rough edges, and I feel like it smells bad, and it's just yeah, you know, no, I get that. But yeah, but yeah, and so for me that worked. Yeah, and the, the, the main character looks a lot like Dokken. <laughs> he does. Yes, he yes. does. He's a mohawk. The big the, the tribal tattoo. Like I mm-hmm. opened that page and I was like, oh, so Dokken's in this book. Uh, is that <laughs> legal? Dokken, does Dokken <laughs> just look like? An MMA guy, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, Dawkins, Dark Wolverine's kid, you know? Well, whatever. At this know. rate, yeah. At this rate, the vacation of Infinite Vacation will be infinite. <laughs> Thank you. The third is it, issue is it worth out. the wait? That's no, the question. No, I no longer like this book. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I was I wavering. I, I, liked the, I, I liked the second issue quite a bit. I didn't really like the first issue, but with this third issue, I was like, Ugh, why yeah. did I wait six months for... Yep. Just, just it seemed like sensationalism. For you can't. The, 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 the thing is, is that this is the problem. You can't. You can't think that you know, like, oh, they'll just wait. Like, you get tired. Like, waiting is not fun. You know, you got it. You got. You get interested in a book and you get some momentum. You want to read it. You know. So. But even that, I came back to a, to a chapter I didn't care for at yeah. all. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, is it's, it the it, devil. Was that what did it? It's just, it just. It seems sensationalistic for no apparent reason. Then there was a whole bunch of heady text at the end. Yeah. It just. I went from just horrific violence to. Four to five, six pages, uh, seven pages, eight pages of talking about dimensions and the singularity. And I was just like, I don't, I wasn't, I wasn't, not what I was looking for. Yeah. Oh, well. So those are the books that we read this week. Go to ifanboy.com slash comics and you can see all the books that came out and you can do your pull list and come back and you can rate them and review them and make your picks of the week. And we're going to run through the top five picks of the week from the iFanboy community. And coming in at number five was Amazing Spider-Man number 673 with 9.4% of the pick of the week percentages. Number four, astonishingly, was Fear Itself number 7.1 with 10.5% of the pick of the week percentages. And it was a good comic. People really liked it. Yeah. They liked it. Yeah. Number three was Animal Man number three with 11.4% of the pick week percentages. Decimal points separating the five, four, and three spots. Fascinating. Um, Number two was Josh's pick of the week, Fury Agent number 32, came in at 13.8% of the pick of the week percentages. It was good to see that uh, rank so high. Um, But the number one pick of the week for the iFanboy community was... Seems as if Scott Snyder is just sending out lots of checks out to the iFan base. Swamp Thing number three got 29.6% of the um, pick the week percentages, and it was a good issue. I'm really enjoying Swamp Things. I, the man knows how to work our community. That's what I know. He does. He does. He's a good guy. He does. And, and he keeps putting out the books. Yes. Rex Dude said of Animal Man number three, gave the story a four out of five, the art a three out of five. Like we said, it's 11.4% of the pick of the week percentage. And he said, the first two issues didn't wow me. In fact, I told myself that if issue number three didn't impress, I was dropping the book. I can now say that I'll be back for number four. Where to begin? Travel Foreman's art finally delivers for me. His grotesque depictions of Buddy Baker traveling through the red and the Hunters 3, disgusting creatures all literally crawling out of their skins, made this horror title everyone said it was supposed to be. And Jeff Lemire has ratcheted up the tension now where I'm actually looking forward to the next issue. All in all, this book is my pick of the week because contrary to popular belief, sometimes it's nice to be wrong about something. Travel Foreman was the star of this issue. This is fa- – yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, he's fa- amazing. It's fantastic. I mean it was unsettling. It was creepy. It was – I mean Lemire's writing a great story. But for me, the, the story of this particular issue was Travel Foreman's art, which and, was all over the place. And it's all the facial expressions. I mean yep. I know in the best of the panels you highlighted the, when the, the mullet kid is trying to play video games – but uh, for me, that panel wasn't so much the, the weird uh, things attacking him, but it was Buddy's wife watching it happen at her drawing board. Like, I was like, yeah. oh, wow, look at that. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Oh, God. So good. So good. Love it. 
Definitely. Robot Anyone. Zombie reviewed which doctor number four and give the story a five out of five and the art a five out of five and 0.4% of the iFan base made it their pick of the week. And Robot Zombie says, if you are not reading this series, you are missing a fantastic comic. Demons, monsters, and supernatural are of the sickness of the universe. And Dr. Morrow is on call with a mixture of medicine and magic and a truly terrible bedside manner to save the day. A terrific blend of horror, humor, and Dr. House. Yeah, this was the end of the first of the first arc. They're going to roll these out Hellboy style. And it was just as fun as the first one. It's rollicking and, and sort of crazy and uh, as, a, as a sense of humor. And a, another book from Image Comics this week. Yeah, strong. <laughs> a huge week. Strong. But it was really fun, fun miniseries it delivered, I thought. So go to ifanboy.com slash comics and do your pull list and write your reviews and maybe we get one on the show. It's always good to hear what everybody thinks. But it's also good to hear from everybody in the iFan base. And so we're going to read a couple emails. Um, our first one comes from Evan L. from Boston, Massachusetts, who says, I'm curious to know where you think the current remaining Vertigo offerings stand, both as a line and individually on an all-time best Vertigo list. Do you feel the line, although dwindling, is strong? Do we have a Sandman? With apologies to Ron. Preacher, Why the Last Man, or Swamp Thing right now? Or are there just a lot of very, very solid second-tier books? Disclaimer, I buy six Vertigo books in Scalp, Fables, American Vampire, Unwritten, Sweet Tooth, and Hellblazer, and I feel like I can make a case for two, possibly three of those eventually making this list. Ah, Vertigo. <laughs> it, it's a valid question. I've been, about it. Yep. I've been thinking about it lately because, you know, with the DC relaunch. <laughs> have you been thinking uh, about it? I have been. How many hours today would you say you devote <laughs> I've been really thinking about Vertigo. Like, like two. <laughs> two a day. That's, that's not, and that's, you know, that's, doesn't sound like a lot, but it adds up. Connor, I love that. <laughs> uh, no, I have been. And, uh, like, because DC didn't seem to be paying a lot of attention to them. And we're seeing a lot of series end. We're seeing Scalped end, DMZ's ending, Northlanders is ending. Yep. And you start to think, well, geez, what's left? And there's still Fables, which I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I mean, well, Fables. I don't read Fables, but from what I've heard, you know, it's not like it, it should have ended at seventy-five. That's what I, that's what the, the word on the street is. Um, yeah, it was enjoyable after that, but yeah. the thing is, I think it's the thing like they, it can go on as long as they want because people will keep buying it. Yeah. Um, but and it's um, not bad. It's just not new anymore. Well, the, I guess. The, the thing is, is that I think you know, American Vampire and Unwritten. Those are the two heavy hitters right now. Well, I don't see. I don't see that unwritten. I I don't. I don't know what the sales are like, but I, I feel like the people who are reading it really like unwritten, and they yep. should. The last one was great, but I don't feel like it's getting out of that circle very much, which is sort of the Mike Carey thing. Yeah. Uh, American Vampire is probably the best thing they've got going right now. Well, well, and then, but then you've also they recently launched Spaceman, which we talked about last week with Azarella yeah. and Riso. Um, but that's just nine issues. Paul Cornell's got a Paul series. Paul Cornell has out. a new series coming out. I believe wasn't the announcement in New York that there's going to be a new series every month next year from Vertigo. Something like that. Yeah. So like it sounds like it sounds like DC spent the majority of this year focused on the DCU. And then it sounds like now the, the, the eye of Mordor is starting to turn more towards Vertigo. <laughs> Karen Berger, you have been seen. <laughs> and, and that's the thing is that like is it, you got, people got to understand. I mean like I know we, we, we speculated and we – I don't know why I said that people got to understand. It's like I feel like Kevin Bacon and JFK. People got to know. <laughs> no, but um, – Mr. Gasson? That's a, that's a fine-looking end zone. <laughs> we, we, we speculated a lot about Vertigo and we wondered you know, with can- canceling titles and with laying off editors and with – you know, the focus on the DC, whether or not Vertigo and with not making the books available digitally and stuff like that. We thought, you know, Vertigo days were numbered. I believe on the podcast, like maybe four months ago, we were saying, yeah, Vertigo is going to go away. Um, I point blank asked a high level executive at DC, is Vertigo going to go away? And they and he said, absolutely not. He said, the focus has been on the superheroes. Vertigo is going to c- come back strong next year. So I don't think that I don't think that it's as wavering as everybody thinks it will be. Whether or not it's success, successful, successful, it's another story. Why can't I say SX sounds today? Yeah, time. Although on the other hand, I don't know they're even as good as American Vampires. I don't know that there is a preacher level book, a Sandman, a Why the Last Man, or Swamp Thing right now. Right. Yeah, but those things come along. You, you, know, you can't expect them when they come. No, along. but the, I don't, so there, the, is there a flag? It's, is there a true it's, flagship? I think there's a, there's Fables fans. There's American Vampire fans. There's right now. You know, I think it's it's Fables and, and American Vampire sort of sharing that flag. And and mm-hmm. and whether that, one of those that, is going to turn Fables into is on the downturn and American Vampire. Aren't you going to drop Fables, Josh? I've, I've been thinking about it. I'm a little less than interested in it lately. Oh, and also, you know, no, I know it took us five years. To I know. That. Finally, we just keep. Ban- I know we let it. We let it it's, sit it's for a while. We figured more than five years. <laughs> you know, but but the books that they're putting out are excellent. You know, like Sweet Tooth has been really good. We haven't really been talking about it very much. Although I get, uh, the, I get the sense that Lemire's ready to wrap that up. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Hellblazer's been really excellent. Oh, Hellblazer, that, duh, Hellblazer. Yeah, but it, that's not, not that popular. doesn't sell. That doesn't sell for shit. Yeah, it's been great. Don't get me it's wrong. Like a legacy been, book almost. Yeah, yeah. And it'll go forever, probably, because of if as long as there's a vertigo, that'll be going, and and that'll make some of us very happy, but not very many of us, because there aren't that many. Oh, well, I don't think he's asking. We're we're not answering his questions. Though. He said, "His where do we think the current remaining vertigo offerings stand, both as a line and as the all-time best vertigo list?" Oh yeah, well, so clearly there's no Sandman, there's no Preacher, there's no Why the Last Man or Swamp Thing r- right now. Fables is the Swamp closest. Thing was not a vertigo book, right? Right. Fables is the closest. American Vampire probably is is right behind. Well, that. Swamp Thing's been grandfathered in when it reprints yeah. Yeah. those vertigo stamped on them. Yeah. There you go. All right. Joshua Sprock from Boys Ranch, Texas. I didn't know that was a real place. I love that. That was the that was a Kirby and Simon book. Boys <laughs> Ranch, Texas? Yep. Not Texas, just Boys Ranch. I'm surprised uh, Boys Ranch is in Texas. Uh, uh, well, like California. Frederick, Frederick Wortham did something with that. I thought was that was a California neighborhood California? in my town. Yeah. Is that a neighborhood in Ron's, Ron's town? Yeah. I was like, on Long Island? Oh, wait. Oh, I see. I see. Uh, Boys Ranch, Texas. I was wondering what criteria you guys use to rate books. How do you differentiate between a five-star book and a four-star book, two or three-star or two or three-star book? What's more important to your star rating, story or art? Good question. I think this is. I, th- I bet this is a different answer for everybody. Yeah. All right. I think. So, all right. So why don't you lead us off? I tend to. I do grade on a bit of a curve. In a given week, you know, like maybe something that's a five-star book in one week is just the thing I liked. I really liked it this. You know, this week. Or it's something that's exemplary about it. It was like when I put the book down, I'm like, I really just I enjoyed that a lot. It was something really great about it. Four star books are books that are, are good. They're pretty good, but weren't necessarily, ex, you know, exemplary. There wasn't something about them that I that jumped out that, I, that I'm going to remember. But they were you know really well done in all ways. Three stars was just it was a book. It was an average. It wasn't bad. It wasn't offensive. It didn't really excite me one way or another. But I I couldn't really think of what's wrong with it. Two, two there was stuff that was wrong with it. I didn't really like it. And then one star is Century Fallen Sun. <laughs> Connor, that's how I look at. Oh wait, Josh, how, how important is story, is story and art? Like, how are you? They have to work together. Yeah, like you have to have. I don't think you can differentiate them. Yeah, no, not in comics. I don't think so. Although, no. if I, if I don't like a story and I do like the art, I'll often bump it up on a star. If I really like the art, or vice versa. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I think that sometimes there's too much stock put in the star rating. <laughs> you know, people really obsess over the star. Like sometimes I'll just rate things like Homer working at the the plant. He's like five star, four star, five star, three star. But I tend to use this the Netflix rating. Like loved it, liked it, you know. Yeah. I, I liked, I loved it, liked it a lot, liked it, didn't like it, hated it. That's pretty much my five star system. Ratings. Ratings. We'll see you next week. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, my approach is is um, I don't. I mean, I don't grade on a curve like Josh does. I think that's kind of horseshit. I think if, if a book's five star this <laughs> week, it's got to be five star next week and the week before that. That sort of thing. I don't. I don't grade in in response to the other books that came out that week. I, I don't know if I do that, but I think that there's some weeks where I don't know. Yeah, Look, you everyone's no, you rating system okay. is their own. That's, you, that's, you called that's, it horseshit. <laughs> well, you said that like this book would be a five star book if it came out last week. Have another week. shake, yeah. <laughs> Patty. <laughs> Um, but my approach is like is mainly it's like it's around excitement level where it's like it's like if if I'm a book knocked me off my socks then it's a five if I enjoyed it but it you know but there wasn't really anything to to take away from it but it didn't you know I didn't want to run to the streets and tell everyone about it then it's a four three again like similar to Josh said is, you know my, you know not non offensive. Um, and then two and one, you know, kind of the, on the negative side of it. I find I give myself, I give way more fours than any than any other number. Yeah. yeah. Well, we know to not buy books that are very bad, so yeah. we tend to be stuck in that area. Yeah. Every now and then we're surprised, though. So yeah. I, what's interesting is that I like looking at the average rating for the community versus what I'm picking because I think that that that's really interesting because like that, that happened this week where there are a lot of books that I I had rated threes that the community rated like fours and higher's and I was like oh that's interesting like the average the average when you put in all of those hundreds of people you know picking their books is is usually pretty spot on yeah. I find when it's sort of as a range of overall quality yeah. I see that like, it's tough because like Jaws is a five star movie yeah it's a uh, six star movie yeah <laughs> um, but like Reign of Fire what do you call that it's also a six-star movie, <laughs> but for different reasons. Yes, <laughs> it's I would absolutely give Rain of Fire five stars. Yeah, yeah, I because would, I, for I don't. Different I, reasons. Yes, because I enjoy it as much as any other yeah. movie I'll watch. Right? Doesn't mean True. it's the best written acting movie of all time. No, but I enjoy it. There's, there's different. The thing is, people, put, you can't compare everything. Yeah. You like things for different reasons. That's you know? 
Sometimes some you like it for the te- technical prowess of the book. Sometimes you like it because you enjoy it. Sometimes you like it because, you know, nostalgia. There's all kinds of different reasons to enjoy or d- just not enjoy something. All right. Um, Six stars, motherfucker. If you have any questions or any complaints about our rating systems, you can call us at, or you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. If you want to call us, you can, just like this guy did. Hi, Ron, Josh, and Connor. This is Tim Slap. I've been reading Grant Morrison's Super God, and I feel like it's really changed me. It's changed how I look at the world, how I consider reality and fiction. I wanted to ask the podcast, uh, if you guys have read any comic books that have changed the way you look at the world. Love the show. Bye. That's a powerful book that, that, right there. I've, Morrison would be proud, I think. That, yeah. That's exactly what he was going for. <laughs> the Bible's hoping for that all the time, but Grant Morrison, that's it what did, you did. It didn't, cha- it didn't change my worldview of superheroes. It is it, just... It, it's well, he, that's not... He wants something but the world, not just yeah. superheroes. Yeah. yeah. I, I I think that Super Gods did change the way I look at certain books. You know, his his analysis was, but that's because his analysis was really strong, and he's a really sort of penetrating look at the of the, at the medium. But in terms of the world, it didn't change my worldview. Yeah. I don't know that any, any comics ever changed my worldview. Or a book has it changed your worldview? Possibly, probably more so. Those yeah. books tend to be about real life things that are actually. Yeah. No, I mean books have changed. Books have changed my worldview. Super Gods didn't change my yeah. worldview, but you know. Books I mean, have, yeah. Books I, have. I could say, you know, I've read, I've read, you, you know, uh, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X or something like that when yeah. I was like fifteen. That probably made an impact. Did it make you angry? No, no. no it's a great book. It's a really good book. Or uh, what's the To Kill a Mockingbird or something like that? Yeah. Like, yeah, no, you know, they're, they're great works. I mean, I know it's, it's cheesy and cliche, but you know, but uh, you know, On the Road and The Fountainhead both left, left indelible impressions on me that changed my worldview. I read stuff all the time that changes my view of storytelling. Yeah, or that that shows me, you know, that really impresses me. I, every every time I read a Neil Stevenson book, I'm like, why can't all fiction be like this? Yeah, he's but good. The world, I don't know. Yeah. All right, so if you have any questions, if you're looking for any guidance in your view of the world, you can call us at one eight 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 fanvoice. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. We are here to help you. Um, <laughs> I, do, I do not want the next round of emails. <laughs> Going to be complaints about our rating systems, and then, and then philosophical advice. Yeah. Um, so iFanboy Don't Miss is back on track we teased it last week and now it's back this Monday Paul Montgomery is talking to some of our favorite creators actually some of my my favorite after meeting them at Alternative Press Expo uh, Chris and Shane Houghton the guys behind Reed Gunther they're going to be talking about they're adorable they're just they are so nice and energetic and just like if you didn't see my interview with them on on the video show go back and watch it they're just like good guys they do a great comic book Reed Gunther volume one trade paperback comes out this week and Paul's talking to them about that so definitely go to uh, ifanboy.com and listen to ifanboy don't miss or go to iTunes and subscribe to it and don't miss Reed Gunther volume one youth uh, check out ifanboy.com you can read my pick of the week review or all the other stuff that's going on what about on your there. book of the month review that will be out Monday oh yeah. cool probably book of the month will be coming up as I point out the last time I don't know why you keep giving me crap about this I've never missed my, my book of the month deadline first Monday of a given month and all sorts of stuff going on there. You can go to ifanboy.com slash about, and you can see who we are and, and how to link to us on other ways on the internet. And you go to twitter.com slash ifanboy or facebook.com slash ifanboy to make sure you don't miss any of the content and the stuff that's coming up at ifanboy because uh, we throw it at you. It's coming constantly. Uh, last week you saw part two of Night Court-themed uh, NYCC. Uh, New York it's Comic-Con gone, it's gone over really well, the night yeah. intro. Yeah. yeah, that was that's one of the most fun ones. Yeah. It's it's caused me to change my rigor. And then next week is part three, our final show from uh, from from. God, that feels like it was a really long time ago, but it wasn't. A lot's happened since then. That's why, um, with a special guest star in the credits each week. Who will next week's be? I don't mm. know. <laughs> I know. We, I know. Yeah, you take I, the I, content, I, stuff it in your end zone. <laughs> <laughs> you can eat the header. You can. You, you, you can email us a, email us a contact at ifanboy.com, leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS-326-2697 with any of the aforementioned questions about life or the way we review books or the way the star rating has changed your life, maybe. Whoa. That could be possible. Yeah. And um, if the star rating has changed your life, you can go to iTunes and write a review and tell people about it. Or better yet, tell the world, tell your church, tell your school, tell your mates, tell your uh, uh, fellow patrons at the local watering hole. Spread the word. Become an evangelist of iFanboy. Help, help us help you in terms of getting your worldview back on track. <laughs>
Tell your European podcast producer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Say, mate, do you enjoy stories? I do. Do you enjoy art? I do. Well, do you enjoy people talking about it in an entertaining and informative way? Well, I guess I do. And then you would find be like, another show. Then, damn, not don't not this episode. Yeah, no, no, not this, not this one. No. So until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor, and I'm Josh. Goodbye. <laughs>